Welcome back to Reaching for Words, a language learning podcast from Rob Ashby at SpanishObsessed.com. We all know that learning a language well is a commitment and requires dedication, persistence and determination. There are many pleasures to be found in the language learning process, but at times we can all struggle and get stuck. My guest today is Katie Harris from joyoflanguages.com. Katie's learned a number of languages successfully, and as the title of her website gives away, she's focused on bringing the joy back into the language learning process. If you've struggled, got stuck in a rut, or found that you need to mix things up a bit in your language studies, this is the episode for you. Let's get into the podcast. So Katie Harris from Joy of Languages, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. So we're going to talk today about the joy of language learning. I think for, for a lot of people, it can be considered a bit of a chore. It's one of those things which a lot of people see as, you know, something to endure, perhaps. So I'd love to get your perspective on, you know, how we can introduce joy into language learning, the importance of it and so on. Uh, but, but before we just get into that, would you mind maybe telling us a little bit about yourself, what, what you do a little bit about Joy of Languages as well? Yeah, so Joy of Languages is a blog and my main mission for the blog is to show people how to learn languages in a way that's more effective and hopefully a lot less painful than the way that many of us learnt at school or the uh -huh. way that I certainly did. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's interesting that you talked about languages, many people seeing them as being a chore, mm. because I, I used to feel like that with languages as well. So now I've got the perspective from both sides. But yeah, I can certainly understand that. Yeah, um, yeah I, that feeling of having to study languages as a school subject <laughs> and it feeling a bit like going to the gym. I think a lot of uh, um, a lot of people kind of got a hangover from that period of their life, you know, studying languages in school and, and carry that into their adult language learning. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I certainly didn't. But yeah, the aim of Joy of Languages is to show people that it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, it's more effective mm, if it isn't that way. Mm, mm. Um, what languages do you speak? Uh, so I speak Italian, French and Spanish. Great. Some German. And okay. I'm currently learning Mandarin, which is a bit more challenging. Right, than the other right. Do, do, you, um, do you find that Mandarin is genuinely a more difficult language to learn because I've, I've kind of read about, you know, what people find to be more or less difficult. And some people say, you know, they're all as difficult as each other. So you having having studied all those different languages, do you find that Mandarin is actually more difficult? <laughs> um, one thing that I try to think of when I'm learning Mandarin is that it's it's not necessarily more difficult, but it takes a lot more time. In the sense that I think hmm. when you're learning something, it shouldn't feel extremely difficult because then you're, you're blocking the learning processes because you get stressed and you know, you're trying to force things too much. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not like, you know, one of my Mandarin study sessions is not more taxing than my Spanish study sessions, for example. Um, yeah. It just means that I, I, I know that I'll have to do a lot more of them. But the actual learning process isn't more difficult, if that okay. makes sense. It's, so it, it's just a little bit slower, perhaps, the progress you'd make. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd love to hear then, I mean, with, with Mandarin, that's maybe a classic example where it, you know, by the sound of things, it is essentially more difficult or takes more time. Yeah. Um, where it's really important in that case to you know, keep your motivation up and actually find, find the joy in that. Do you think language learning should always be a fun and pleasant activity? Uh, this is a bit of a controversial one, I think, because I, um, I do see, you know, there are people who take the standpoint, um, certain skills, you know, like language learning and, um, also learning to play an instrument is, is more mm. about, you know, you, ha- you have to accept the fact that it won't always be fun and you just have to do it and get into this routine. Uh-huh. Um, I think there is a certain element of discipline that you need. Mm-hmm. So, so with Joe of Languages, I'm not saying, um, oh, just find a fun way to do it, and then it will all be sunshine and lollipops and uh-huh. rainbows. Uh, there is certainly a, a certain element of self-discipline that you need uh-huh. uh, to get into a routine to where you're interacting with the language every day or every other day um, consistently in any case. But I think if you can find ways to to make the learning process more enjoyable, mm-hmm. uh, then it just, it makes the whole process more. So, so by finding ways, particularly resources. So mm-hmm. particularly with something like language learning, it's very different to, to other subjects where I, I could, at, at a higher level of Spanish, for example, I could either sit down and study a grammar book mm-hmm. or I could sit down and, and watch watch a TV program, watch a telenovela, for yeah, example. Yeah. And, and with language learning, I might get just as much out of watching a telenovela as I would out of reading a grammar book, if not more. I see, so that, yeah. So there's a lot more flexibility with, with the activities that you can choose to do. Uh-huh. And of course, if, you're, if you know that every day your, your study time is going to be something that you enjoy, it's much easier to get the bum in the seat. Uh-huh, definitely. Do you think that um, and we'll talk about more specific activities later, but maybe with those more enjoyable activities, there's a tendency to, you, I mean, you mentioned the example of the, the telenovela, there's a tendency to sort of sit back and say, well, you know, this is, this is language learning, I'm having fun and I'm learning a language while watching a film. Whereas, you know, when someone studies, for example, a grammar book, they can say, well, definitely over this time I've made X amount of progress. Do, do you think that, maybe kind of with the more disciplined approach of, of cracking onto a book or something, there's more of a solid feeling of progress or, or not? Um, <laughs> I think there can be, but I think it's also important with learning a language to be careful of feelings of false progress. Mm. Uh, because I noticed, for example, um, I'm not a huge fan of, of language learning apps. It, depend, it depends on the app, of yeah. course, but... Um, Often with language learning apps or grammar books and things like that, you feel like you're making progress because they're structured in a way where you've got, okay, level one, I learn everything on level one, mm. then level two, I learn everything in level two. And then you can pass a test on those things. But that's not necessarily an accurate representation of how you can use those things in real life. Yeah, completely. I think with, um, especially with um, apps, you know, that we're seeing at the moment, you, often you can tell some of these apps have been designed by you know, people whose first language is technology and then really care about languages rather than the other way around. They kind of see yeah. see languages as a problem to be solved rather than, you know, something to, jo- to enjoy and revel in, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. And you might have this thing where you're, 
you know, you're getting lots of points and you're making lots of progress onto, onto other levels, which is great. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But um, I think the danger is that people might get this false sense of progress from mm-hmm. that. And then, and then it, it can take away time from activities that might be more meaningful, like practicing speaking or practicing listening in, in real contexts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Definitely. So do you have kind of um, just a general approach or a strategy for when you're learning a language to, to bring more joy and excitement back into it? Yes, and it's something that I, I rediscovered recently, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and, well, I can I can tell you a very quick story about the first time I discovered this and then um, yeah. how I keep coming back and keep getting reminded of it. Um, I think the thing that helped me discover the joy of learning languages in the first place was when I, I did my year abroad in Italy. When I went to Italy, everything suddenly changed. So in, instead of it being something where I need to memorize grammar and vocabulary um, to pass a test, it, it suddenly became a tool to communicate with people right. and uh, a way to make my travel experience more uh, to, to enrich my travel experience, to, to get to know cultures more. And, and that was, that was really important for me because I, you know, I didn't like exams, but mm-hmm. I really liked people. So right, all of us right. in this connecting languages to people helped me to find the joy in, in learning languages. So it kind of moves from being this academic object to be studied and into something, you know, which is living and, and which you really use. I remember I had a similar experience when I studied Spanish for the first time, I, I knew I was going to move to Spain. Um, so I spent a summer kind of, you know, really memorizing vocabulary. And I did some classes and things like that and, and sort of cracked the books. Um, and I'm glad I did that. But it was only when I went to Spain and really started using the language and, and like you say, starting talking to people um, that it became, yeah. it became like, oh, everything which I've learned uh, people actually do speak this language people really do use this to communicate and it's not just something they study in a textbook or whatever yeah and, and I think that's one of the the problems with the more traditional scholastic way mm. of, of studying a language is that it, it gives you this idea that you have to you have to study the language first mm-hmm. and then once you've learnt it then you can go out and have the fun and speak right, to people right. Um, whereas I, for me, at least when I did that, that day just never came and it never would have come. So, so the real learning started to happen when, you know, when I started to communicate with people mm-hmm. and also I, I got this, this big extra boost in, in motivation because I didn't want, I wasn't trying to pass a test. I wanted to have a chat with Marco at the mm-hmm. pub. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that suddenly became a lot more of an interesting reason to, to learn Italian as well. Yeah. Okay, so so to really for you, and I think this would be the case for for everyone as well. It was really bringing the language to life, which which sort of brought the joy back into it. Do, do people have to? Yeah. I mean, we both moved. <laughs> we I went to Spain, yeah. you went to Italy, and I think a lot of people. This is maybe a trap which people fall into. They say when people ask me, "How did you learn Spanish?" It's always a, I hate answering that question, but I generally say, oh, you know, I, I moved to Spain and then a kind of light bulb goes off in their head and they think, oh, well, there you go. He moved to Spain yeah. or she moved to Italy and that was it. But what, what about people who, who can't do that? Yeah, um, well, that's interesting because that's something um, I, I discovered this key to to motivation and I discovered this in Italy, but it's something that I've used for learning all of the other languages since Italian, not living in the country. 
And and recently, when I mentioned before that something happened recently to remind me of how important this is, was with Chinese because I was having a little bit of a, a slump with Chinese. Okay. Um, because it is it is more difficult to it takes longer to understand things, so it's more difficult to find resources that are enjoyable to use. And, yeah. Um, and so I was having a little bit of a slump, and then I I got back in touch with uh, a Chinese tutor that I had uh, a while ago, and just with the first lesson that I had with her, I, I really really enjoyed communicating with her as a person. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a great teacher, but it wasn't really about that. It was about clicking clicking with her and and using using realizing that I can use Chinese to do this. Mm-hmm. And then that suddenly gave me a huge boost in motivation again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so it's something that is certainly in the country. It's I'm gonna I was gonna say easier, but it's not even necessarily easier because mm. I, I had once I, I I was learning German and I was practicing it loads at home because I was um, doing lessons with online tutors and online um, exchange partners. And then when I went to Germany, I was just far too shy to even try and use it. Yeah, yeah. So I think nowadays with technology, that really is just an excuse to say that you have to move to the country to learn it, I think. Mm. It's, an, it's an easy excuse. I think it can make you feel a lot better mm-hmm. about not learning the language. But if you really, really want to learn it, there are so many different ways that you can connect with people yeah. by the internet as well. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think people can move to a country and still not even have that immersion experience right i know people who've moved to england um and don't speak english and then obviously there's famous famous expat community in spain many of whom really don't speak any spanish at all so just moving to a country doesn't necessarily guarantee even immersion right yeah absolutely it it doesn't and i think in some ways it adds an extra challenge Mm -hmm. which was that the challenge that i found in germany while when I was in Italy learning German, I, I booked lessons with people online. But mm-hmm. I, I also went, if, if you prefer face-to-face, if you don't, if you don't enjoy technology that much, um, I also did conversation exchanges with people, you know, German people living in, in Italy as well. And I found it easier to practice that way because you have that common understanding that that is, I'm a learner mm-hmm. and we're both here to help each other learn a language yeah, yeah. or if it's with a tutor I'm a learner and and, and, I'm, and I'm paying you a little bit to, to help me learn this <laughs> yeah. language yeah uh, so, so in exchange for you sitting there waiting while I try and string a sentence together um I'm paying you and that that actually makes me feel a lot better and it take I find that that takes a lot of the the pressure off this tacit right. agreement mm-hmm. everybody knows that I'm a learner and, and this time is set aside for me to practice yeah. so it's absolutely fine if it takes me ages to say a sentence. Whereas when, when I found myself in Germany, then all of a sudden I had this, oh, so I've just got to go up to someone and start speaking that's to them. That's it, isn't it? That's that's really interesting. And I've, I've seen that as well um, with, with people I know in England or in London who are, who are studying English. And they, we kind of have the assumption that you can practice your English with everyone here because everyone speaks English. But like you're saying, when you're a learner, you know, not everyone actually wants to be your teacher. Some people just want yeah. to, you know, they'll have a conversation or they'll, you know, they'll fulfill their part of the conversation, but they're not doing that because they want to help you learn English. There's, yeah. there's, there's nothing worse than, I've had this experience in Spain when I was kind of in the beginner stages 
of trying to you know go through a conversation and seeing their eyes kind of glaze over and they're looking for an escape route and so on yeah, so exactly. those kind of higher pressure conversations can be really difficult yeah and there's so much there's so much pressure to perform mm. in those situations whereas it's nice to arrange situations like language exchanges mm -hmm. and conversations with tutors where you can just get rid of that completely yeah definitely definitely okay so um one of the keys for finding joy in language learning is making it more real by finding engagement with with real people um yeah are there, are there any other kind of keys alongside this which would work for you uh so another one i would say is to get to know the culture okay uh, so this is more i guess these are both more motivational and, and mindset things yeah. i think which if you but I think they're both really, really important to start off with, because if you have the basis of those, then you, you know, then it gives you a reason to want to learn the language, sure. which is really key. So um, and I noticed this on your website as well. You mentioned mm. that about how you learned Spanish. So you yeah. said you, you you didn't have any special techniques or anything. You just had a love for the culture. Right. Definitely. And, and that really helps in terms of motivation and making the whole experience more enjoyable as well, yeah. because um yeah adapting to a new culture is really fun so you can pretend to be a different person or <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want to go that far you can develop different aspects of your personality which definitely. is really fun definitely definitely yeah. go ahead oh sorry um i think definitely you know speaking a foreign language does bring out different aspects of your personality 100 percent. yeah definitely and i notice this might not seem like a very practical step, but I do notice I notice a huge difference in terms of the practical language skills of because uh, I teach English and Italian. Mm -hmm. um, the students who who do this and the students who don't do this, because um, the students who don't do it, it always kind of feels like they've got this barrier that that it's this alien culture, yeah. and then that makes the language learning a lot different. A lot more difficult whereas the students who just kind of dive into the culture and find different parts of the culture they like and enjoy yeah. developing aspects of their personality uh, enjoy becoming part of the culture essentially are the ones who tend to go further with on a practical level with their language skills yeah, as well definitely. like i used to teach english and i saw exactly the same thing you know you could always tell the students who were studying it because they had to pass an exam and they needed it for their job or whatever versus those yeah. who had a love for the for the culture love you know whether it was the music i don't think anyone has a love for english food but um <laughs> you know music or, or history whatever it would be literature you could tell yeah. you could tell the difference so yeah. you're, you're suggesting and kind of go out and maybe research the culture a bit um are you is this something you're doing with with mandarin which you're studying at the moment yeah and it's something that um i mean one thing that i that's traumatized me a little bit is I think if I think about if I just hear the words learn about the culture mm. it, it reminds me of those cheesy <laughs> videos that we that I used to watch in school where you yeah. know they'd show someone going around the town and um <laughs> but for me it's more so I like to keep it real yeah. um and and I think you can learn a lot about the culture through the people as well. So okay. if you think about it in terms of step one and step two, so step one is to make connections with the people mm -hmm. and step two is to, through those connections, um, really get into the culture and, and find more about it. Mm -hmm. And of course, other things like, you know, TV shows, um, you know, uh, it could be some shallow, th well, shallow things, more um, smaller things, for example, like, 
if you really love anime mm-hmm. uh, for Japanese, um, or right through to bigger things like developing a certain view of of the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pe- people often say, you know, read read books which you've read in your own language, in your target language. Now, obviously, it depends on what kind of books you read. For me, that doesn't necessarily work because I I might read books of a you know reasonably high level or or quite high brow if if, I, if I'm feeling <laughs> up to it. Whereas I wouldn't necessarily want to go and do that in Spanish. Do do yeah. you have any thoughts around that? Or, or say, for example, with with films, maybe you want to watch um, you know, you might like to watch quite high brow or difficult films. Whereas in your target language, actually, you should stick to TV, you know, kids TV shows or something with simpler language. Yeah, and I think that's that's something that's interesting because that can be quite misleading and it can make language learners feel quite bad about themselves mm. when, when they don't understand it. Um, for example, I often have um, students who are quite a high level in English yeah. and, and they, they'll, but they feel really bad about themselves that they still don't understand films mm. for example um, mm. but I think it's or, or, or books you know they'll try and read um, but if you look at the books that they're trying to read it, it's books that maybe a native English person would yeah. read quite slowly um, yeah, or broadsheet yeah. newspapers for example yeah uh, so I certainly think don't panic if that mm. happens to you it's completely normal uh, even at very high levels mm. that you some some materials for native speakers are just incredibly incredibly difficult uh, so I I tend to um i like biographies a lot mm-hmm. i think biographies yeah. are great um it depends a little bit on the type of biography but i usually find they're, they're better for learning everyday yeah. language and that's good because that literally you know connects you to the people and the culture so you're, you're hitting kind of your first two points with that absolutely yeah yeah um and i guess going back to the culture thing as well another thing that you can do is look for aspects of that culture that you really like um, and that are aspects that you might like to develop in your personality. So mm-hmm. for example, when I was in yeah. Italy, I uh, one thing that I loved about Italian culture was the way that people dedicate so much time and energy to their friends and family um, mm-hmm. and they're a lot more open about expressing their feelings. So that's something that um, it still doesn't come completely naturally to me, <laughs> as naturally as Italians. Oh, I, know, I know how you feel, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Because there is a big difference there, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's something that I've enjoyed trying to to develop, and I, even though I'm not 100% in it, I I enjoy being 80% in it, and I think that gives me more motivation to to learn the language as well. Yeah, yeah. So we've got connect to the people, connect to the culture. Those are kind of your your first, your two two main kind of things to look at. Are there any other sort of broad? strategies or or keys to finding joy uh so i'd say those two are the first two that it's great to to start with Mm -hmm. to get the motivation and then after that some some practical techniques as well for um finding more enjoyable ways to learn a language Uh as i am a big fan of using tv to learn languages yeah uh, I know not everybody is, but for me, I've always found it extremely useful for developing my listening skills. You also get some cultural stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it depends on the person's taste. So you can choose to watch things, um, you know, depending on what type of thing you like. Mm-hmm. Um, one 
problem with this is that if you're at a beginner level, it's, I think this is for me, the real problem with watching, with trying to learn a language via TV um, or the problem that some people have with it is that it makes you imagine as a beginner sitting on the sofa and putting on a film in Spanish and then you absorb the Spanish. The idea is that you kind of learn Spanish through osmosis. Right. Um, for me, that does not happen. No. Uh, so I have to, when it comes to watching TV, I have to be able to at least understand what's going on. I think for, yeah. for, for the learning to happen. So you need to understand maybe 50% of the words so that you can start to figure out what the others might mean from the context. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's an age old debate when you watch, do you have the subtitles on or off? Uh, so sometimes I have them on, but mm-hmm. always, always, always in the language that yeah. I'm learning. Yeah. So never in English. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is relevant for what I was saying before about being able to understand the context so that you can start to figure out the meanings of, of unknown words. Mm. For me, the learning happens when I'm engaging with the language to figure out what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I had the subtitles on in English, I wouldn't be doing that. So I wouldn't be be listening to Spanish to try and figure out what they're saying. I'd just be reading the English. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm with you there. Yeah. So I think uh, that's one thing that you can do if you're at a slightly higher level. Once mm-hmm. you've got a level to understand at least what's what's going on, you can. I think TV can really, really help you boost your your listening skills mm-hmm. and also your speaking skills because you you hear the same structures over and over and over again, yeah. which you've, at least I find that I start to use them in conversations as well to make it, oh, go ahead. Uh, sorry, I was, I was going to ask, do, is there any, it may be down to personal taste, but do you find there's any type of program which you find more conducive to language learning? Absolutely. And I think it depends on the level. Mm-hmm. So I guess aiming for that, that level where it's something that you can understand what's at least what's going on. I think something good to start with, this won't be in everybody's tastes, but for me with Spanish, um, when I felt ready to start moving over to listening to, to real materials, I started with telenovelas. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because. Which which one did you watch? Just out of interest. um, I watched loads of Mexican ones. Oh, of course. Of course. Because they're the best. (laughs) (laughs) You know, apparently, um, going off on a bit of a tangent here, but apparently with a lot of those, because they're, as you probably told, they're quite low budget um, and they they have to, you know, pump out the episodes almost one a day. Sometimes, I've heard, I don't know if this is true, but literally you'll only see one side of the character's face because on the other side, they've got an earpiece in while someone's giving their lines on the go. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that, but I'll yeah. count that. Well, I'm not sure if it's if it's definitely true, but it's a good story either way. And one of the reasons that I think telenovelas, if you like that kind of thing, can be really useful is because uh, because they're very cheesy and they're, they're so overacted. Yeah. They deliver their lines quite slowly and they use this really exaggerated intonation, which is, it's almost like... Motherese, which is the linguistic term to talk about how people adapt their language to speak to children, yeah. which helps children pick up the language. Yeah. I can draw a parallel between that and 
the way that they speak, the, the exaggerated over-the-top way that they speak in telenovelas. So that's yeah. a good one to start with. Do, do you think there's a risk with it being scripted? Because when I think about the kind of... I, and I, should, I need to watch more Spanish TV, to be honest, but when I think about the kind of Spanish TV I watch, I'm, I tend to be more drawn to reality shows, basically, or yeah. so unscripted shows. <laughs> one, one I've been watching a lot is MasterChef in, yes. in Spanish. And because you think it's real people and they're being authentic, they're they're not. There's no script. Um, this is genuine language, or or is that just a small detail which isn't that important? Maybe. Absolutely, yeah. I think um, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned reality TV because that brings me to my guilty pleasure number two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've got telenovelas and reality TV. Um, yeah. I think they are very useful, and I think you can use them for different levels. So maybe telenovelas are useful for more intermediate level, yeah. whereas reality TV, you know, once you're, you're fed up with watching telenovelas, which does happen after a while, um, reality TV is really useful for the exact reason that you said, because it's, you get all of this, it, well, it's essentially like being on a, a fly on the wall yeah. and yeah. listening to real spontaneous Spanish mm-hmm. speech. And I, I don't think in terms of listening skills, if, if you're, if the reason that you want to learn Spanish is to have conversations with, with Spanish people or with Spanish speaking people, the that's absolutely the best thing that you can do is to listen to authentic conversations. Uh-huh. Yeah, hundred percent. So, so telenovelas for the intermediate. And then as you get bored of those or grow out of them, not that that could ever happen, of course, but then um, <laughs> the more kind of reality shows. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's kind of TV as a, as a practical technique. Just one more question on um, TV then. Do you have any specific activities you do while you're watching TV? Because it can be quite a passive activity. And if you watch TV in the same way as you watch it in your native language, there is a tendency to just, you know, veg out basically. <laughs> and your brain switches yeah. off. Yeah. Um, which I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think you can still absorb a lot mm-hmm. of the language, but it's certainly not something to do as your only, um, as, as the only way to learn. I think you can boost or you can make it more effective by doing certain activities, okay. and, which, I some, which I sometimes do depending on how energetic I'm feeling. Um, you know, if I'm really tired, I'll just veg out and know that I'm, I'm still learning. But yeah. If I have a bit more energy, then I think keeping a notepad next to you mm-hmm. and noting, you know, pausing, noting down new vocabulary is certainly a very, very useful thing yeah, to yeah. do. Also, looking for examples of grammatical structures mm-hmm. that you know, that you're familiar with, but you don't feel 100% confident mm-hmm. about um, and writing them down, because I find that really helps me to assimilate grammatical structures is, is looking for examples of them mm. in used in real life yeah and kind of building out a collection almost yes definitely yeah. um and then there are more energy intensive activities that you can do that are suitable for all levels really but particularly for beginner levels where or lower levels where, where you might not so for example if you're at that level where you can't watch uh a video and understand half of it or, or understand the context there are there are other activities that you can do with tv mm-hmm. uh, for example things like uh, if you can get the video with the subtitles that that's perfect because you can really train your listening with that so yeah. you can 
listen to a little bit and then go back and use the subtitles and really dive in and see which bits you didn't understand, learn the new words from it. Um, there's also you could do a dictation. Your dictation, I think, is definitely a good one for yeah. training your listening. And that's really key to have the subtitles after so you can check what you wrote. Uh, so listen, write down what you think you heard, and then you can check them against the, the subtitles. Okay. So these are obviously much more active activities. Yeah. <laughs> active activities, for one of the better <laughs> word. Do do you do you have kind of a, a formula that you do these in? So maybe you watch a TV show all the way through and then do this activity, or is it just, you know, if you've got the energy, you're gonna have a crack at this? Uh that is something that I would like to do more of. Mm. Uh, to, to have this formula where I say, okay, so I'll watch the video and then I'll do a dictation or, um, but in reality, it, it, it doesn't happen like that. It just depends on my, my energy levels. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, there's another method that you can use as well, which is the translation technique. Okay. Not everybody loves this. I find it really useful is to, so you watch um, you watch the, the video or a short scene, you know, a few seconds, uh -huh. um, and then translate it. So write the English of what you hear. Uh -huh. And then the next day when you've forgotten about it, you, you have this English paragraph uh -huh. and then you take the English paragraph and translate it into Spanish. Right. And that gives you lots of practice on constructing Spanish sentences in a Spanish way. Right, so then you compare uh, that translation with the original, right? Absolutely, yeah. 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 I like uh, that. I've actually got a blog post on on ways to use TV for okay. learning languages at different levels, so I can send that to you. Yeah, great, we'll put a link for that, definitely. Great. Okay, so um, we're talking about practical activities. One of those is TV. Are there any other practical techniques which you use? Uh, Podcasts mm -hmm. as well, um, which I'm sure like the listeners, yeah. <laughs> sure people listening to this probably don't need me to tell them how useful <laughs> podcasts are for learning a language. Uh, but I love them, especially because people often complain about not having enough time for yeah. learning a language. Yeah. So podcasts are brilliant. You can yeah. listen to them while you're cleaning the shower or while you're on the tube and it's incredibly incredibly useful to get lots of input without taking any time out of the day mm -hmm. is there are there any other kind of general tips which you might have for people who maybe are finding it a bit of a slog at the moment beyond what we've what we've talked about um as a general rule i think it's really useful to try and do things that you enjoy in your native language uh -huh. uh, in the language you're learning as we were mentioning before there are limits to that as a philosophy it works but then you also have to think about the practical aspects so for example um if you're if you started learning spanish a few months ago maybe not try and read a translation of a george orwell novel yeah um but i think it's nice to have that in mind and to always try and be edging towards it and, and there's lots of tools that you can actually use to to help you do that so for example with Reading, if you really enjoy reading, um, there are things like graded readers uh -huh. or bilingual readers that yep. you can use um, that are written in that are written in more simple language. Um, I think Duolingo actually has um, there's an, an aspect of Duolingo that I really like called Duolingo Stories, mm -hmm. 
Um, and that's an act that's the little simple stories written in Spanish. So you can, and if you click on a word, it gives you the translation, I think. So mm -hmm. that's quite a useful way to start reading. Um, there's also a Google Chrome extension that you can use, which I think is, uh, so it's a Google Translate Chrome extension, uh -huh. which is incredibly useful for making your first steps into reading things in Spanish, so uh, reading things similar materials. Yeah. 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 Um, it's once you've installed the, the extension where if you have a web page in, so let's say for example, you like reading travel blogs, mm -hmm. you can look for some travel blogs in Spanish. And once you've installed the, um, the extension, when you're reading, if there's a word that you don't know, you can just click on it and it gives you the translation. So that's a, a really handy way yeah. to, I think, I think I've played with that one. That's great. Yeah. We'll, link, we'll include a link for that as well. Great. Just to wrap up then, would you mind sharing with us what, what you're working on, what you're focusing on at the moment, where people can connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my website is drovelanguages.com. Mm -hmm. And at the moment, we're starting to organize um, immersion holidays. So my... Oh, nice. My, my philosophy is definitely learn by doing and learn by connecting with people. So it just seemed like a natural step. At the moment, we're doing it in Italian, but okay. we're looking to start doing it in other languages at some point too. Okay, great. So will people be able to find out more about that on Joy of Languages? Is there anything um, live yet? So if if you're interested in the Italian ones, then going by going by signing up for the Italian podcast, because we have a Learn Italian podcast. Uh -huh. Uh, called Five Minute Italian. Uh -huh. if, if you sign up for that, they're the first people to find out about the immersion holidays. Okay, great. Brilliant. Well, um, thank you so much, Katie. That was fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks once more to Katie. You can find her at joyoflanguages.com. We're a new growing podcast, and if you're enjoying this series, then please feel free to leave us a review and a rating. This will help us to grow, reach more people and bring you new episodes. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.